myth, magic, medicine, and everything in between. Two doctors talking. Hi, welcome to Myth, Magic, and Medicine. I'm Denise Villamejia, and today's guest is my friend Liz Trainer, a pathologist in California who wants to normalize mental health issues in the practice of medicine. Did I say that right? It's, it's your interest is uh, getting nor, people well, to- Well, like normalize, yeah, normalize discussions about mental health because it's something that people right. tend to hide right. and yet it's something that's really common. <laughs> right, but are you, I realize that it will be wonderful for the entire world if we could normalize it. Is your niche, as we say, uh, for healthcare professionals, because it is such a taboo subject for doctors who are going through problems. Yes, or uh, yes. is it just so I'm, the larger group? Well, it's just, I'm. I'm. Um, my original focus is you know women physicians because that's mm -hmm. who I am, right? That's who I can identify with the most, and and yet this is something that's so important to me that it expands to anyone, and so I am. Um, starting with the uh, the goal of addressing women physicians and the people who love them. Okay. So that opens up the door mm -hmm. for our friends and our loved ones. And it's, it's addressing them too. And yet um, the podcasts that I've done so far are, you know, with other women physicians like yourself, like yourself mm -hmm. and talking about the specifics of the uh, challenges with struggling with what I call mental spice <laughs> uh, during our training and during our, our professional uh, practice and, and uh, trying to, to take that, to shine a light on that, right? Because it is, again, it's so common. Why must it be something that we stigmatize and is a source of shame? Can we just backtrack a little bit? Because I, I'm hoping that not just doctors will be listening to this, although obviously... I'm marketing to doctors too, but can you give a little background of just how inhibited doctors are from talking about their own emotional health when we practice medicine, both at the hospital level and the licensing level of those things? Right, right. Um, and uh, so the questions on are uh, on some state licenses are uh, something on the order of, you know, have you ever had, have you ever had a mental illness that could affect your practice? Um, whereas in California, um, I actually, I actually looked it up before I went public <laughs> yeah, <good laughs> um, to make sure like I wouldn't lose my medical license. Um, and I, I took a picture of it and I don't know if I can find it in time to read it exactly, but the way um, the California um, uh, license is, um, have you been diagnosed with an emotional or mental or behavioral disorder which impairs your ability to practice medicine safely? And mine does not. I am still able to work. I am still able to think. I am highly functional even when I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, I am a functional <laughs> depressive. I'm still able to get to work and people don't even know that mm -hmm. I'm depressed. So because it doesn't impede my ability to work, I am comfortable finally 
coming out of the closet, if you will, because um, again, I think, I think, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Dr. Lorna Breen law that just passed, um, but that is also huge. Um, And Dr. Breen was a brilliant ER physician who uh, contracted COVID and uh, she um, almost certainly had the microthrombi that, that are are known to be a, a consequence of a COVID infection in some people that was impeding her brain function to the point where she couldn't think, she couldn't function, she was so depressed that she died by suicide. And this was such a profound loss because not only was she so respected in her community in the hospital, I think she was the chair of the ER department, um, but, um, she could not seek help because she knew that at that time it would mean the loss of her livelihood, the right. loss and of her was, license. She worked in uh, in Elmhurst in New York, and it is very much a taboo subject there. And that's actually- I say the doc- that the Dr. Breen Law at a federal level provides funding to prevent physician suicide to provide resources for physicians right. to provide mental health. I would be a little bit support. wary. I think that's a great idea. Obviously we need this, but has it changed the wording on the license application and renewal for New York state? Yeah. That is, and that is the next, that yes. is, that is the next, the next target. Yeah. And, and I, I finally got to the point where I'm like, I am willing to lose my job and, go to bat for this if that's mm-hmm. what it takes um okay I do admit I looked up the California licensing thing just before <laughs> I went public just to really make sure but um but I I I would be more than happy to argue at the national level that this is something that should be changed in every right. single state licensing it should be absolutely changed in every single state licensing question and thank god California is 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 reasonable here um, and also I re-credentialed at my hospital recently, and that was my other concern, right? Well, am I going to lose my credentialing at the hospital? And uh, the credentialing question at my hospital is also based on um, the California question, um, which is, um, which again, I am able to answer with a full hearted, I am not at all impaired. This will not affect patient care. Uh, and I am trying to see if I can find that um, to um, to share with our audience, but I can't find it right now quickly. Um, so yeah, but that's something that I think uh, legally should be fixed on all. Across the board. Medical licensing across and, the board, across yeah. the 50 states. And also- And Guam and Puerto um, Rico and all the other ones that are American and, licenses. Yes, <laughs> right. Any, any, and it is a worldwide problem. It is a worldwide problem. We've had yeah. cases of, of British doctors yeah. dying by suicide because yeah. of being reported or, or being made to yeah. jump through the similar hoops that you have here where you have to go to the, um, oh dear, what do they call it? They have a special committee and you have to see certain psychologists and you have to see their people and, and it can go on for years. And always the fear that you'll lose your livelihood. Yes, you found the point. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So I found the health status question on my my own um, uh, reaccreditation mm-hmm. paperwork, and I just want to say I do not 
represent my hospital. Anything I say here has nothing to do with where I work. Um, and this is just a generic question that mm -hmm. I'm sure is used at other hospitals as well. Um, but but again, I'm grateful that 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 um, that this question is is something that I can answer wholeheartedly with a yes. But the question is, are you able to perform all of the procedures for which you have requested privileges with or without reasonable accommodation according to the accepted standard of professional performance and without posing a threat to patients? And that is a yes, I absolutely am. So instead of it being, have you ever been diagnosed, which right, I, would have it, to lie. I would have to lie. I don't want to lie, but no. well, I it, love my job. Have I you been diagnosed with, if your illness were not well controlled, it might well affect your ability to work, but that's, you can break your leg and not be able to work. You can do a lot of things and not be able to work for a short period of time. Right, right. And I am absolutely well, you know, I'm well medicated. <laughs> I, I do everything I can, right? Because um, my, uh, you know, I, I exercise every day. I sleep nine hours every day. I matcha is my new favorite drug, by the way. I take it before I meditate. Highly recommend meditation for anybody who hasn't tried it. By the way, it is life-changing and it is mm -hmm. it was so hard for me to get started um but it um is so good for your brain like for since we're all physicians mm -hmm. uh, or many of us are you know it increases all the happy chemicals you know your dhda your dopamine your serotonin um i like to say not exercising even for one day is like taking a depressant mm -hmm. and so that motivates me every single day because I am not going to deliberately take a depressant unless I'm sick. I was sick on Tuesday, which is why I didn't release my podcast on Tuesday. <laughs> I had stomach flu. Um, but, um, and it, it's really, it's kind of the same thing with depression or not with depression, but with um, meditation in terms of um, um, pre preventing depression. It also increases your telomeres. Oh, I like that. Uh, so Being my the, the, age, the, the, I like that. Exactly, right? So <laughs> it's like the, ones. The, 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 uh, right? Because we know our telomeres are what, basically the key to longevity is to have nice long telomeres because that's, if you don't got good telomeres, you're unraveling you your DNA. <laughs> and then, right, we can't repair ourselves and our skin falls off and <laughs> we get diseases. Yeah. Um, or at least it sags, your skin sags. So so the episode I'm working on now with Dr. Shram uh, is, uh, hypnotherapy better than Botox. Mm -hmm. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I think the best makeup, good sleep, good exercise right. and meditation every day. So, oh, and of course, good nutrition. Yes. Well, food is medicine. I'm working on eating more, more spinach. I'm putting right. it in my smoothies. Excellent. Then I don't have to, you know, it takes too long to eat greens. So I'm finding putting them in the smoothies is a great way to get them. Okay. What do you think about the way that sort of separating actual chemical imbalance kind of mental health issues with emotional trauma issues. Um, what do you think about the way physicians are trained and the, the lack of control over your schedule? Because there aren't too many surgical residents that can get nine hours a night on a regular basis. It's lucky if they get 
that every once a week, probably. And <laughs> kind of I'm telling you, enough. Denise, that is why I am not a surgeon. And <laughs> I am so glad I am a pathologist. That was absolutely paramount in my choosing a specialty. And I worked at an infer infertility practice for a year before I went to medical school. I, mm -hmm. um, I worked as an MA before you had to get licensed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I learned from the office manager how to draw blood. Um, but, um, but it was such a, such a wonderful place to work because again, you have a nice schedule and you know, you're helping patients who are in a, in a tough spot and doing something that, that, you know, that, that, you know, bringing life to patients that just, uh, it, it's like this gift that uh, can't, you know, words fail. Mm -hmm. It's the most beautiful thing you can, you can help somebody achieve, but, or achieve is maybe not the right word, if but you, you know what I mean? you looked at an obstetrician's um, calendar and said, no, not for me. <laughs> and then, and then my very first rotation, third year out of the gate was OB. And I'm telling you, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the SHIT word, but I like to say SHIT rolls downhill. And those were the most miserable people I'd ever met. They, they weren't getting any sleep. And I, I'm like, this is not an option for me. I need sleep. I, I, I can't do infertility because I can't go through this gauntlet. It's just not happening. Mm -hmm. So um, second rotation pathology. And I loved Love, love my second year of pathology class. In fact, I won the pathology award. I got yeah. sent to uh, the AFIP, the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology, when it still existed. Sadly, it was closed uh, a decade or so ago due to funding. But um, but that used to be the Center for Excellence in Pathology, and um, that was a really really fun experience to meet other uh, students who were excited about pathology and to meet the top minds in the field. They had the most brilliant pathologists speak to us. And so I, I kind of knew I wanted to do pathology mm -hmm. as a second year. And that was great for you, but for, you know, we can't all be pathologists and we can't all be dermatologists and other people I can think of that could sleep most nights. But what can we do, do you think, what is possible within training that would allow for a more humane life? Because well, most people I, I, say, well, if we do that, right. then they're going to extend training. And, and America has a very short, the U.S., I should say, has a much shorter training period than most countries. Right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Much, for surgeons, but, uh, well, I trained here, but um, in mm. the U.K., eight to 12 years from, for most specialties to, to get to well, a I, point where you're right. what we would call an attending, they would call a consultant. And you, you're longer in the chain. Many countries, that's much well, I, I, I uh, imagine in the other countries, their students don't come out with a quarter million dollars worth of debt and don't get paid basically a pittance, <laughs> I would hope. Uh, they do get paid least... a pittance for all their residents, okay. but they don't come out with quite that much debt. It's, it's larger than okay. they used to be in the UK, but uh, the, it's nowhere like the US, which is another... Yeah. That's a whole other podcast. That's another can of worms. It. Yeah. Um, I was you know, many years ago, just so relieved to see that there was the 80 hour limit, although I know there's issues with that as well. Um, and the truth is, I don't see how anybody, you know, there's some people whose brains like Elon Musk only need two hours of sleep and God That's bless it. them. They can be surgeons, but not my brain. Yeah. Well, the thing not is my brain, if you're truly that exhausted, how much can you possibly be learning? 
Exactly. Yes. Yes. I you mean, it's faces. a risk to patient care. Mm -hmm. It's just, nuts. you know, that's why my those... husband has, he, he said during his internship, he fell asleep while holding a retractor mm -hmm. <laughs> in the surgery suite. Right. He's got, he's got an open patient who fell asleep. Right. That's why that, that, um, what motivated people to change uh, ours. It happened in New York first because we had a death of the child of somebody important and hedge rolled yeah yeah um, oh yeah and i was i was a resident when that was all happening and and i <laughs> just you benefited from that I, change, no I just as i finished my fellowship the rules came in <laughs> but, oh well um, later generations yes but, but and, and, and again, all the patients that followed they were still pretty long hours i still think the more important one is that you'd be allowed to go off duty when you finish call. We had to continue through the following day. So our days were usually 36 hours, which is insane, really. I mean, it is insane. yes, you're younger. Yes, you can survive it. But I don't at know. What cost? The, at what to cost? To our patients, oh, to, to our brains, to, yeah. to our health, right? We all know the, the benefits of sleep and the importance of sleep. And yeah. it's just fundamental to our well-being to our patients well-being um yeah yeah i, I think it's uh, at least for me it, it it was not an option and i like to say pathology is the best kept secret in medicine because it's so much fun and we don't have to deal with a lot of the baloney that a lot of our peers do um i am very grateful to have found something i love to do that allows me to sleep and work three days a week yeah <laughs> and, but unfortunately yeah, that isn't no. everybody <laughs> And I we know. do, and I we know. do need I the know. other specialties. So, yes, we yeah. do, and I don't know what the answer is. Now, you know. said you said you were willing to go to bat and you know testify before Congress or whatever needed to get this this rules changed. What are you working with anybody in particular, or are you just following along no, and seeing what you can do? I have a I have a contact. Um, I don't know if you know Nisha, who does oh, physician from, uh, side gigs. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. She is phenomenal. Um, and in fact, she was instrumental in uh, physicians getting PPP support. I think she got $7 billion to support right. physicians. Uh, she got the Good Samaritan Law for physicians not being um, sued for trying to help patients with COVID. Um, and uh, she has obviously worked at the national level getting laws changed. And so I would team up with her so Nisha if you're listening I may be contacting you um the other thing yeah. is since it came out right do you think that that adds anything to people's stress levels in medical school because you're coming out you can't work yet for several years you can't work under your own license and yet you've got this massive bill and and all the other things that you've put on hold in your life to get through medical school to get to medical school to get through medical school now a half a million dollars probably in debt or similar. And this mm -hmm. huge, mm -hmm. am I gonna get A, the residency I want, or B, any residency anywhere? Do you mm -hmm. think there's some mm -hmm. changes that we could make to that system? Oh, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Cause of course that's incredibly stressful, right? We have no control. I mean, limited control <laughs> over where we land. I remember as a medical student, um, my mission, was to match at Stanford 
Mm-hmm. And well, I was at the top of my class. I honored every single class except for OBGYN. Because <laughs> you knew. Except for OBGYN. <laughs> um, because I knew I needed to be perfect to match where I wanted to match. But but having limited control has got to be incredibly stressful. Um, and I, I don't have an easy answer for that either. Um, because, right, there are there are limited spots and I think the match is probably the, the, the best way, right. Mm-hmm. For, so, for all these puzzle pieces to land into place at one time, right. Because of the delays that would uh, ensue if, you know, anyway, long story short, I, I don't know anything better. Hmm. I'd be curious. What do you think? What, what could we do? I don't know. I, I, I know in other countries it, it's everybody puts, goes in the hopper and they're in many countries just told where they're going. Um, you have to have sufficient funds to apply to. I think you, you get nine, you get a certain number. So long since I had to deal with I, the match issue wasn't around it as much when I was in training. But mm-hmm. you get a certain number for like a hundred bucks, and then you have to apply for each person after that. Plus, you may have to fly. Thankfully, more Zoom calls now. But you have to fly for an interview. You have to put yourself up there. You, your people are all over, and if you haven't got money behind you then you're out of luck so I, I feel I, it is such a question I, I know in Romania because I have family and friends who who trained in Romania went through their system you take your national qualifying exams after you graduate from school you take your your licensing exams internship is part of medical school there and you're assigned you're told you're told what specialty and where you're going <laughs> well you are not even given a choice for specialty. No, you're, you're told. I mean, I, I guess you probably have, I'd like to do this, but no, I, I know one woman wow. who, who went through, she's extremely clever and she wound up with a hematology residency that she was sort of surprised. And that I think it was expected to be a six year residency. You, you do have the opportunity to apply again, to go through the match mm-hmm. thing again, their version of the match. Wow, and maybe that terrifies me. Yeah, the, the, the thought that I would have been forced to be a surgeon terrifies me like uh, that. That's like a non-starter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could not do that. Um, and uh, and I did honor surgery. Right. That's like, oh, I fooled them all. <laughs> so that might have been dangerous for you. But, you might have been slotted. There. <laughs> but, yeah, but I, I just I need sleep. Yeah. I did a lot of surgical rotations when I was in my fourth year. And uh, I remember. <laughs> I was very friendly with one of the pediatric surgeons. We were all, you know, how you do afternoon rounds and there's this gaggle of doctors walking along. He said, so you gaggle, might be a I surgeon. And word. I said, I wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot barge pole. It came out without a filter. <laughs> and he said, why are you doing all these rotations? Because I want to know how surgeons think. I want to understand what I knew I wanted to be in Pete's. So yeah, that was, yeah. And this wonderful piece of advice, which I give to any and every um a medical student is you go into every single rotation 100% that's what you want to do because mm-hmm. you want to learn everything you can and people want to teach you more when you're like yes I definitely want to be a pediatrician you'll learn more and you'll you'll get a better sense of what what mm-hmm. that specialty is like if you have that attitude right so you don't go into peds rotation say I'm going to be an orthopedic surgeon yeah. <laughs> that's you it's won't get the most out of it right yeah. Yeah, so that that's really cool. What else do you think would improve our attitude towards mental health? 
is there some way to demystify it for people? And again, I just think making it a normal part of the conversation because it is so common. I mean, we both know 400 physicians die by suicide a year. At least. Um, and right? that's in this we country. Know, that's in this country. That's yeah. just this country, right? Yeah. Um, we we both know that, um, and I, I actually don't know what the statistics are, but I'm sure it's upwards of 50% of physicians at some point in their training have had suicidal ideation. Um, and I um, recently saw a, a case of, uh, which I included in my Facebook group. Um, she was a, a superb human being in every regard. Uh, she happened to be a Stanford student, not a medical student, but her story is um, important because uh, outward, outwardly everything was perfect, but one thing, and the family doesn't quite know what it is, but they think they know what it was, but one thing triggered her to mm. die by suicide. And there was no time to intervene because it was such an impulsive decision. Um, and if this is something that is discussed more freely, if people are even at an earlier age, I mean, um, in a sense, immunized to this impulse, which is so common in humanity, everybody suffers. It is part of life. Everybody suffers. Mm-hmm. Um, pain is just part of living. And I, 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 do, I do love the quote, you know, something like pain is mandatory, suffering is optional, but that's, that's sort of another tangent. Um, but, um, but, but at the core, everybody suffers before we learn how to turn suffering into pain. And we will almost, many, many, many of us will have these moments. And if it's something that we can immunize kids to, you know, in health class early on. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I feel like um, that's something that continues to be an important epidemic in our country. And, and, and by important, I mean something that is preventable and something that needs to be worked on. And Again, I'm grateful for the Dr. Breen law. I think that's mm-hmm. a good start, a good step in the right direction um, to provide funding to prevent this in physicians. And um, I think, you know, and I also um, am glad to see that every time I go into the doctor's office, there's that depression questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that there's some light being shined into these dark corners. Mm. You Um, do have to realize also that, unfortunately, you do those depression scores in your office, but where do you send them if they score high and they need to see somebody? We have a real shortage of people who can see. And insurance That is yet another issue. Yeah. We didn't didn't even have 
a psychiatrist on our medical staff for years. Ah, that could be a problem. <laughs> yeah. So, and again, I, I, I'm sure this is, you know, something that is not uncommon in other hospitals. This is, um, yeah, I mean, access to care, right? Mm -hmm. Insurance not paying basically for something that is so healthcare. necessary. <laughs> it's healthcare. Yes. This brain is part of It's attached to the rest of and you. Fact, Amazing. Yeah. It's they're all connected, right? And yet we separate yeah. that out. Mm -hmm. um, is um, I, I think there is really... also there, there's there's a certain amount of um, I almost want to call it machismo, but it, it, there's more women around, and they seem to have the same issue. When you get sick, you have to you know work while you've got 102 fever, come in when you've got double pneumonia. It's it's just part of the ethos of medicine that you are supposed to put yourself last, even when putting yourself in front of people is likely to impact them poorly as well. Giving your patients your disease is not particularly helpful to them. Um, but and, until you, I think COVID has over, been, you know, I think it's been one of the silver linings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the silver linings, right? Is like if you're sick, don't come in. Just yeah. <laughs> But then again, I, I know there were several states that were telling their nurses, if you're, you know, if you've had five days and you're still feeling ill, <laughs> but you're testing come in anyway, come is in that anyway. what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lordy. Well, God, I mean, that was the because they were so short, being they were short, so short, right? Yeah. That was, the, it's like, there was no, no other, no better option. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, this is, um, this is, this is a mission of mine. It's something that's really important to me. It's something that it's taken me, you know, four decades to be public about. Um, it was absolutely terrifying the may first I time. You, may I ask you? Yeah. Being public. When, yeah. When, no, yes. But before when, how, mm -hmm. how long did you know your diagnosis before you were open about it? Oh, I, mean, I assume you told almost, members, yeah, but, almost yeah. 40 years. Yeah. 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 I first, um, encountered depression when I was 12 and, um, recognized my bipolar tendencies when I was 16. Um, I, um, and, um, you know, for, for what it's worth, I'm bipolar light. Um, and so there's two flavors of bipolar. There's, you know, the more serious one that can have delusions that many, you know, most people will be more familiar with, but there's also kind of a, uh, a light version, if you will, that, um, that is um, what, that, that's the flavor of my spice. <laughs> um, right. And so that's why I'm able to still be functional when I'm depressed. Plus, uh, you're because on I medications. don't have the most severe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Plus, I'm yeah. on medications, right? I, I I do everything. I have a therapist. I have a coach. I have, you know, like I said, I have a routine that is absolutely fundamental to my mm -hmm. my functioning that I follow religiously. Okay. So did you did you not tell people because you knew that it was a problem? How did you fill out that first medical licensing question? You just honestly believe uh, that it did not infect your. Yeah, 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 and yeah, but because there were there are states where you wouldn't have been able to answer that question honestly, right? 
because it's not. And I guess, thank God I was in a state where I could. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's funny because I couldn't remember the details of the question Mm -hmm. and I had to look it up and make sure (laughs) it was okay. Um, before, um, I went public. So I, um, yeah, because even just uh, two months ago, I was like, there's no way I, I can't do this podcast. I'm just going to scratch all the work I've been doing. There's just no way mm-hmm. I can do this. Um, uh, you know, something shifted in me. You know, again, I go from my waves go in the, in, the, in the valley and then I have the energy and the passion and the clarity. And I just, I'm like, I, this is, this is my mission, this, this. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If anybody's read Victor Frankl, Mm-hmm. Man's Search for Meaning. That is such an important book. Um, as many of you know, he was in the concentration camps. He's a psychiatrist who, through that ordeal, realized that the ability to create meaning from suffering transmutes it, transmutes the suffering. And for me, this is my chance to make meaning from my suffering. Right. And for me, this is the most liberating, beautiful gift I can give myself and give the world. And it's also part of being a doctor because you're, you're being a doctor. able to change that and allow other people to heal faster, to not have to go through all of that. Right. And I think the isolation of depression profoundly amplifies it, right? Mm-hmm. Because we feel like we're the only one. We feel like there's nobody that wants to be with us. We well, worse I, I, that you isolate that other, other people are better off without you around. That's I exactly think that, yeah, yeah. When I'm when I'm depressed, my thought is the best thing I can do for global warming is just stay in bed. Is to not is to <laughs> no is to not be here. Yeah, is to not be here yeah. because I'm using electricity. What is my carbon footprint? You know, if I'm not here, less right. carbon footprint. Right. But for those who may be tuning in late, with your medications and your therapist in place, you know that that is going to pass. You know that those cycles are going to, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And having, um, you know, um, an anchor that, uh, which is for me, my daughter, um, Mm -hmm. that I would never, ever, ever do that to her. And she also suffers from our mental spice and maybe suffer is too strong a word, but she also is flavored. Um, Mm -hmm. and, um, and so she and I have a deal that is just not an option. Mm -hmm. It's just not an option. Yeah. And you also, everybody need everybody, whether they've got a diagnosis or not needs somebody they can call at any time, day or night when they need to. Two or three, right. because sometimes you have to turn right. your phone off for yourself, but you, know, right. you need right, to be right, able right. to reach out and have a network exactly. of people who will answer and, and, the phone to you no matter what. Right. And there is a physician hotline that's staffed by other uh, psychiatrists um, that um, that I, I just I just want to toss out there. I don't know if also you know that Also in the notes below, I should say. Okay. okay. I will put that in the, in the show notes. Yeah because that is a really important resource that I want any and every physician to take advantage of um, whenever your brain is, is not working and your brain is lying to you because it will lie to you. It's such a good liar. And you just gotta be smarter than that. 
lying SOB. <laughs> That's not you. That's just <laughs> not you. You're not that lying person or that lying voice, mm -hmm. you know, that's just not who you are. Yeah. And to step away so, from that. Mm -hmm. We're almost out of time. So what is the next okay. step for you in this journey? You've got your podcast. Say the name, please. <laughs> oh, Mind Surfer MD. Thank you for asking. Um, Available on the platforms or... I uh, almost um, started on Buzzsprout. It should be available on Apple Podcasts. And we have a Facebook group, MindSurfer MD. I would love to see you in our community. I provide actionable tips and uh, connect people with alternative resources. Is your Facebook group for physicians only, or is this anybody with an interest in the it's, subject? It's 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 honestly, it's for anybody who has interest in the subject. It's for women physicians and the people who love them. Okay. So that, that's pretty much anybody, you know, Excellent. I, I just, yeah. And, and once the dust yeah. has settled and you've got in a rhythm of the podcast, what will be the next thing, do you think? Uh, yeah. Connecting so, with Nisha. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Connecting with Nisha. Um, and um, uh, on a, yeah, really connecting with Nisha, right. On a smaller scale um, to expand the reach to help as many people as I can. Right. And like I said, my mission is to save one life, my own and others along the way, yeah. I hope. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, I, again, in the show notes, there'll be ways of contacting Liz and finding out about all the rest of her work. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank Love to all coming. the surfers out there. Oh, yes. <laughs> Join me. Yes. She does surf in real life, too, with actual waves. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I just I just ordered a um, uh, a rash guard with my Mind Surfer MD logo, and it looks so good. Send so. me a picture. Thank you. I will. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you for joining us in this magic medicine. If you have found this episode useful, you can apply for free CME credit through the link provided in the transcript. If you're not a medical professional, please remember, while we're physicians, we're not your physicians. So please consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you have heard might apply to you or a loved one. Until next time, bye-bye.